Hello, Michael. This is Tom Ed Herring. Long Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. We've got a great show tonight. You know, we had so many hits on the first installment of Transform to Transcend. We just had to do it again. So if you think that this is the the same show that you've heard before, no, it's all brand new. So just stay tuned and we've got something special for you coming up right after this. By now, either you have or know someone who's been downsized, fired, or just run out of career options and has been put between a rock and a hard place, left with only one option, and that is to make a change. But it's not just that simple, is it? We often try to hold on to what was, even when we know it's gone, and find that our attempts to move forward only leaves us obsessed with trying to correct our past and neglecting to take our present by the reins and forge a future from our true purpose that makes us tap into our real passion and 
do the very thing we were born to do. All you need to do is settle down, be still for a moment, listen to your heart's passion, and a measure of truth. Tomette Herring, welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Thank you, Michael. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, I've been so looking forward to this. You know, I've been checking with you every now and then and just talking about how many hits we keep getting on this show that we did so long ago. It's amazing. It is amazing because every time I think about it, I, every time you see me, you keep saying, we've got to get back to that. And I kept saying, yeah, Mike, we really do because there's people out there uh, that are hurting. And uh, really, that's, that's the impetus for the show, you know, that people are hurting and, and we hopefully can offer some, um, some help and some guidance. So yeah, that, yeah. And, this, yeah. and this all started with a, a Facebook group that you started. So, you know, get us caught up. Tell us a little bit about some of the dialogue you've had with some of the folks and, you know, how the group has grown. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I actually started way before Facebook. Uh, mm, <laughs> it started right. way, way, a long time ago if you listen to the first installment. Uh, but um, I decided to start a, a group uh, as attached to my um, Facebook page uh, called Transform to Transcend. And the, this group, this is where we would introduce, instead of complaining about what would happen to, what has happened to us, what I did is I wanted to use that forum to be able to express ideas on what do we do, where do we go from here. Um, I figured if we're all in pain, if we start talking to each other, sharing some ideas, sharing some concepts, maybe uh, she has some information I need or he has some information that I need and vice versa. I may have some information that is critical to their journey. So it became that type of dialogue and it's continuing to grow. I write things, I put it out there, things that I've learned uh, over the course of even going through unemployment myself. And, And people weigh in and say, thank you, I needed to hear that. So it's really been a feeding place where we just kind of serve each other and continue to, you know, from that place we are able to go out and continue to move forward, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new, new um, ambition, that's something that they had even from childhood. And so we just, this is the feeding place where we all come around to share our concepts, ideas, and go from there and hopefully grow. That's, that's the goal. Yeah, and it's been a great source of encouragement for a lot of people as well. You know, just to know that other people are going through the same thing because it's hard to talk to someone who is not going through what you're going through sometimes. You get to that point where you just can't really um, communicate with someone who really doesn't understand exactly what you're going through. And just tell us a little bit about, you know, how you transitioned and some of your success. Uh, you know, you know, you um, you get to a place, and I think I shared in the earlier installment, where you know you've done all the the things that that were right, and mm. still you find yourself in a position where you're being you know escorted to the door. You're you're being handed your hat, so to speak, right? Um, and it's just maybe the end of your time there, and and so it's still a shock. You know, whether, however it comes to you. It's a shock, and then you have to absorb the shock and decide, what am I going to do with this energy? I've got to do something, and hopefully something uh, positive, right? Um, the, the, the alternative to that is what we've seen over the last uh, month or so uh, with, uh, you know, celebrities like uh, uh, Robin Williams, where, you know, that, that is a matter of being hopeless. When you lose hope, you mm. find yourself 
decision. You have no one to talk to. And isn't it a beautiful thing if we just reach out for each other and say, uh, you're struggling too? It's one thing to sympathize with someone. You know, I really, you know, am sympathetic to your situation. It's a whole nother other thing to empathize because you're living mm-hmm. it too. And so that's what you're, you're talking about, Michael. See, for me, it was more than sympathy. It was I empathize and I'm there with you, and we're, I'm discovering and rediscovering myself all over again, and now I've got to go dig in my treasure chest and come out with some, some things, some gifts, some, some lost loves in my life in terms of passion uh, that mm-hmm. I need to reintroduce myself. So uh, that has been my journey, and then it, it led me to go ahead and you know, start my own little consultancy so that I can not just help myself, and this was – really key for me, and I say this even when I've talked to people for jobs and things, I always tell them, see, I started this consultancy not just for Tomet. I did it so that my, my, my prayer was, okay, here's what I want to do. If I can help myself, that's a beautiful thing because I need to do that. But if I can help my brother as well and lift him up as I get elevated as well, so if I go on a job or if I get a contract, it, I can bring someone along who, who's got a background that, that makes sense for me to do that, I do that as well, and I've done it. And, and it's a beautiful thing because it's about helping each other. So, you know, we got some military people listening in. we got some, some milita- military gentlemen that we'll be introducing at some point in our, our program tonight. But military mm-hmm. people and camaraderie. They understand being in the trenches with somebody. And when you're in these situations that we're dealing with today, Michael, you're in the trenches. You're in the foxhole. And you have to be able to trust your brother and, and reach out and help your bro- brother and elevate him. And so, really, that has been my journey. And the journey continues. And you stay on your hustle. And you continue to evolve because that's what we're, we are required to do that. Um, if you stay still, you die. And so we continue to evolve, we continue to move forward. That, that's the goal, and that's what I really want for people to do today. What I do want to say, though, is I want to revisit what transform to transcend really is, and that mm-hmm. is a, it's a methodology of becoming the best of who we are in order to transcend what is average, mundane, right, um, and thereby leaving a dynamic legacy. Um, this is something that our children's children can be proud of. I would hate to think that we were, um, we were born here on planet Earth and that our only mission in life is to go to work, make money, pay bills, and then die. I, I think that what a travesty that would be. Mm. So while we're here, we must transform. If we, when life serves us these, these blows, we have to transform. That's a signal to change something. So transform means to change the nature or condition of a person, place, or thing. To transcend means to go beyond one's limits or to exceed. So transform to transcend. There is a point at which if you're doing what it is that you're blessed and gifted to do and you're passionate about it, money's going to come. But more importantly, you're going to affect not just your own life and, and your children's life, but you're going to affect those around you. They're going to be inspired to do more and reach for higher things and become an example for those watching them as well. So, um, so that is what that, that all came. That's the genesis of all of that. And I want to be able to transform and transcend my current situation. And then when I reach the peak of the next situation, I need to transform and transcend again. This is a cycle. It continues. Yeah, and you know, it's so easy 
to allow ourselves to fall through the cracks, you know, getting caught up in the, the skills that we've learned based on those skills that are in us, those talents and abilities that help us to do a little bit more that we can tap into our passion because not only are we very good at it, but we feel fulfilled by doing those things. It, it makes us happy. We get a greater feeling of accomplishment when we do those things. And, um, you know, how did you snap yourself out and, and refocus and get yourself back to where you needed to be? Well, you know, I don't know that it's back. It's a new, you know, it, it's it's new all over mm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't believe you can go back. I think you can go forward with a renewed vigor and a refocus mm. on what is now new, the 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 new the new you, um, and and hopefully the improved you. If you're reaching for uh, to better yourself and always looking to improve, so I, I don't I wouldn't say back. But what I did, Michael, was I really had to 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 call a conference with myself. <laughs> And I had to ask myself, what is it that you want? And then beyond that, is it a must? Because I realized as I looked over my life that I only accomplished things, I only transitioned things when it was a must. I, it mm. had to be more than just a want. Right. See, I, I, I want to be 110 pounds, okay? But it's not a must, so I'm not 110 pounds. <laughs> it isn't until you look in the mirror and go, gee, I, I'm overweight, I'm fat, that you can then deal with the truth about yourself between you and yourself and, you, and God, um, that you can then go from that place and, and improve and, and step forward. But, no, I had to pull from within. I had to pull back, kind of like what you do with an arrow, Michael. You, you pull it mm-hmm. back and then you release it. Sometimes you've got to step back to go forward. Or as I said before, sometimes you've got to go to left before you can go right. Um, it is that example. I had to really sit down and say, what am I good at? What's in my bag? What is my, what's in my um, satchel? You know, I, I start thinking, and I come from uh, um, a spiritual background, so for those of you uh, who don't, um, I just be patient with me for a second. But there is a, there is a, um, a scripture that I, I keep thinking about, and I think about, you know, coming out of Moses leading the Israel children, Israelite children. And I, and I remember when they got to crossing the Red Sea, and, uh, you know, Moses kept saying, how am I going to do this? And, 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 and God said to him, what do you have in your hand? And so that, for some reason, hit me while I was going through getting myself back on my feet. I started thinking about what do I have in my hand? And what I had in my hand was, well, I, I can talk. Um, I can perform. I've done now radio. Thank you, Michael. I've done acting in my past. I've, you know, I've... Um, I've lectured, I've, you know, I've, I've done modeling. I've, you know, so I start thinking about the fun things that I did that were passion things. And, and then I said, hold on, while I'm in this transition, let me reach back and, and start doing some of those things that I was crazy about and passionate about. And in addition to that, let me start taking that energy and building a company, and, and that was my own, that I can put all of me in it, and it was okay. I didn't have to ask permission to be me. And, and so I just put all that energy into that and continue to, to grow it forward. And, yeah, you may find out that you may have to go, oh, okay, I need to get a job and I need to do that. But however you do that, however you take your path, sit down, 
make your plan and move forward. So, you know, I came up with some, some, some little things that um, I jot down for myself, and I said, well, you, I had to embrace the change. I had to investigate my gifts. I had to create a plan. I had to build a network of people that were doing what it is that I wanted to do. And then I had to work my plan. Mm. And I'm continuing to work. I haven't arrived, but I, can, I have to continue to work that. So hopefully that, that answers the question and, and can get some other folks thinking about their own situations now. But the key is, Michael, people are hurting. And the reason why I'm, I'm doing radio with you is not because I just like to talk. It's because I get the opportunity. I get the opportunity. Do you hear that? To share with people who are in pain that they don't have to stay there, that there are options and that if they can look beyond their pain, that they can find freedom in the gifts that they have, if they would just give themselves an opportunity to explore them. What, what better time to do that while you're off, while you're free of having to, do, to get in the car and commute and all that? This is the time. So th- that's, that's why I'm on the radio. That's why we're having this discussion, and that's, that's probably why we've been blessed with all of the, the, the downloads and all of that. That's why it's happening, because people are hurting, and they need to know, mm. what, do I, what do I do now? So back at you, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's great. You summed it up very well. And, um, you know, we've got um, two guests that you've invited on as well to share their stories. And um, who would you like to um, give an intro and, and invite to the show first? Well, I want to start with uh, Mr. Lou Perkins. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Lou. You know, you know there's a story about everybody with me, right, Michael? Right, right. <laughs> but, I, but I met Lou. Uh, is, is Lou on the line? Just so you, I, Yeah, I he is on the line. Okay, outstanding. Great. Well, um, I met Lou when I went to VEC, uh, that's Virginia Employment Commission, while checking on my own benefits. I happened to be at the front desk, and, I, and uh, someone said to me at the front desk, have you taken a class from Lou Perkins? I said, I, I don't believe I have. And so I saw this sharp man. I mean, this man was dressed. I mean, he looked like he stepped off of a magazine. Amazing. But he was just all about the business. And he's walking back and forth, and he's walking back and forth. And I said, okay. They said, hey, it'll only take an hour. I said, okay, fine. Well, I got in that class, and I listened to what he said. I liked his passion. I admired that the, the class was full of people that ran the gambit. You, you had people in class, Michael, who were happy to be there. They were gung-ho, looking for their next opportunity. And then you had people in the class who could care less. One young lady I remember seeing looking out the window, and I thought, and I looked at him to see how he reacted to each one. He never gave, he never gave the attention to anything negative that was happening. He just stayed focused and centered and committed and continued to say, here's what you need to do to get ahead. Here's what you need to do. Here's the plan. Here are the steps. Here's, here are the tools. And I thought, Man, this man must see it all. So, so, so I talked to Lou after the class, and I and so a little bit about Lou. Um, he again comes from. He's currently with uh, Virginia Employment Commission as the uh, disabled vet veteran outreach specialist, uh, where he focuses on breaking down the employment barriers for transitioning veterans. And you know that's key, uh, mm, since veterans absolutely. are being hit hardest in this unemployment area. Um, he is a former Special Forces U.S. Army uh, um, 
person and personnel, and I'm, I'm sure I'm really excited about that because I'm always intrigued to hear about anything special forces or that type of thing. He's formerly with the Army. And I thought something was interesting. His passion, though, after all of his accomplishments we talked about, his passion was in coaching. And so coaching youth, and, and he even does some of that as well. So without further ado, I want to introduce uh, to many out there, some who may know him but others who don't, uh, Mr. Lou Perkins. Lou? Yes, I'm here. How are you this morning? This evening, Wonderful. excuse me. How are you? I am well, thank you. Well, you know, Lou, yeah, thank that's you. good, Lou. <laughs> thank you for joining um, us tonight on A Measure of Truth and under the umbrella of Transform the and Mike, um, uh, excuse me, um, not Michael, but Lou, we talked quite a bit about, you know, trademark and what I was trying to accomplish by setting this thing up. And, and, and you know, you had some interesting thoughts. Every time I listen to you speak, you talk about transformation. Can you give me a little bit about your history, where you came from? Uh, I know you're out of Pittsburgh, and so uh, can you give me a little history about your where you came from and then how you ended up at the DEC? Virginia Employment Commission. Right, I can't thank you, and good evening, Michael. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, part of how my story started. Uh, I grew up, like I said, in the Pittsburgh area. I lived in the city, lived out in the suburbs, and uh, coming up, I remember my father working two jobs. I worked in the steel mill, then he worked in a uh, foundry where he made pottery and that type of thing. Uh, so I worked himself to death, basically. I remember going to college, received scholarship. I played basketball, ran track. I was fortunate enough to receive scholarship uh, to college. Well, upon getting into college, I uh, did about two years, and financial difficulties hit the family, you know, and decided, well, I need to do something to make some money. I had worked in the steel mills as well as my father and my grandfather and everyone else. I said, yeah, I need to find something else. So I decided to go into military, and it was just a short term, four years basically. Uh, upon getting in the military, I found out, you know what, I found a home here. I loved the military. Uh, as you mentioned, I was a special operations senior sergeant upon my retirement. Um, a lot of stories I could tell there. But uh, but basically, a- after completing everything that I had done there and just having uh, such a great military career, uh, when I came out, it was like, okay, what am I going to do now with all these skills? And I'll never remember, uh, never forget, uh, talk to a gentleman that actually does, does what I do now and encouraged me to get into this field. He asked me, he said, I see all these different MOSs with that military occupational specialty that you have, and it's like, what is it that you would like to do? What would Lou Perkins like to do? And for the first time in my life, I believe I was probably uh, struck him with quietness. I had nothing to say. I couldn't come up with anything because I had never really given it any thought. Well, uh, after I accepted the job working as a disabled veteran outreach program specialist, I... Uh, I started, as I was doing these classes, more transition services for those on Fort Belvoir, Fort Myer, Henderson Hall, and Quantico sometimes. I got to thinking, what is it that you guys want to do? The military gave us a job that we did uh, for either our whole career or while we were in, and I was thinking, you know, but what is it that you want to do? And one of the things I started doing, and uh, I remember Tom was using my class and my workshop, one of the things that I mentioned is, and I always open up with this, what is your passion? Basically, being unemployed sometimes is not a bad thing, and I know that's easier said uh, when you're when you have a job, but you, when you're sitting on the other side, that it doesn't make sense to me. But maybe this is a time to refocus, as you say, and find yourself, as you mentioned, what is it that you want to do? What do you have a passion for? As you mentioned, mine is coaching. I love coaching. I'm somewhat in a transitional state right now. I've been doing this about five, six, seven years, 
And now I'm looking at, you know what, I want to move in and take my, how can you put it, my mentoring and my uh, athletic endeavors a little bit farther, uh, except for the head coaching job. And now I'm in talks with the school of coming into the school now on a full-time basis where I can be there with them. This is my transition. And now one day being a AD, athletic director or activity director, whichever they call them, and just fulfilling what I've always had a passion for, you know, athletics and, and youth. And it's been very fulfilling for me. You know, I've, like I said, I've been the gamut as far as uh, working in uh, steel mills and going to college and then going in the military, uh, finding out that I had a love for that. I'm a adrenaline junkie, so that kind of spawned that. And so that's, that's kind of where my story came from. Uh, but the thing that I do now, I really love, I have a passion for, um, is trying to help people refine themselves. What is it that you want to do in life? What do you want to do? And I know that's easier said than done, again, as I've mentioned. But the one thing that I talk to everybody about is I was working with a young man today that came in just kind of lost, no guidance. No one had ever given him guidance, not even his parents, you know. And I told him, I said, but what is it that you want to do? I sat him down, and I always tell people, take as many as 10 free career assessment tests to find out who are you. What do you have a passion for? Now, in saying that, I always tell people, you'll take one, it'll say you should be a rocket scientist. And you take the other one and say, well, you should be somewhere in construction or labor. Okay, you're somewhere in between there. And you need to find out where, where that is. And by taking those career assessment tests, a lot of times what happens, uh, you'll have about six or seven of them. The top five occupations, so to speak, will say these are your areas of interest. And you'll see how they'll kind of fluctuate. Uh, it was funny, uh, after t- telling people to do that all these years, I decided to do one. Very interesting what it came up with. Uh, first was career counselor. Uh, second was kind of like rehab counselor. And the third I found very interesting. It was elementary school teacher. Kind of had to laugh at that one a little bit because I do substitute teach in the Prince William County school system. However, I will only, only substitute at the elementary level because at middle school, uh, they haven't found themselves and have no direction which way they're going. And in high school, some of them want to be there, some don't want to be there. Very distracting in the classroom. So, you know, I've decided I'd stay on that level. Uh, additionally, uh, everybody said, well, you coach high school basketball. It's different when an athlete wants to be out there. They have a desire. They have a passion for that sport. That's why they're out there. They want to learn, and, you know, they want to be taught. So that's why, you know, I, I stayed at that level as far as coaching. Uh, but, again, as far as taking all those, and they came up for me, and I'm like, you know, and I got looking back over my life. Uh, in high school, I worked as a summer camp counselor, you know, mentoring the kids. Uh, and in the military, I was an instructor. I taught weapons. I taught military free fall, um, you know, other, other skills, a master fitness trainer. So these are the things that I looked at, and I've been a personal trainer. Everything that I seem to have done, I've been a coach. You know, I've coached football, basketball, track. Everything that I've done has been giving and has been instructing people. So that has been my passion, so to speak. And you know, I've just been fortunate. Again, God has placed me in places that, you know, I was I was doing what I enjoyed doing and never knew that I had a passion for that or that that, that was the way I was leading, but that's why I enjoyed my job so much. Uh, what I do now as far as transitioning services, you know, I, I love it. I have a passion for it. Uh, if I move into the school system, you know, permanently, I will miss what I do. But I think that I've touched a lot of people and I've helped. I don't know how many TAP classes, and that stands for uh, Transition Assistance Program, for those transitioning out of military. I've probably touched hundreds. Last year at Fort Belvoir, in each class I probably have about 100 personnel in each class, and I used to do that three times a month, 
you know, about a week long each one. So I've trusted a lot of people, and I hope that some have taken away some of the things that I've tried to instill in them. Uh, Lou, let me ask you one question, and, and I hope it's okay Certainly. that I call you Lou. Um, oh, that's oh, fine, definitely. Lou, he, as you were speaking, you know, I, I, I can't help but ask this question, and that is, how do you coach the hopeless? Wow, that that is difficult sometimes because you have a lot of negativity in a lot of people, and I try to stay away from that and find positive things that have either happened in their life or, or in their future somewhere that, that we see this in your future. And try to get there is a ray of hope, but you've got to believe in it, number one. It can't be that, um, how can I put it? it? It can't be. I can't instill this in you. It's something that you want, number one, but I've got to convince you that this is what you want. You do want to do something. You can't, an option to give up is not, is not there. I tell people, like when I coach, I tell them, you know, quitting is not an option. And the easiest thing in the world to do is quit. How I judge a person's character is based on when times are hard, when, there's, when the chips seem to be against you, how do you react to that? Do you, do you fight back do, or do you just give up? And again, like I tell them, the easiest thing you can do is just give up. You know, it takes no effort, it takes no energy. You just do it. But... Why not take that time that you're worrying? Because we get a lot of people that come in that worried about this. I said, take that negative time and use that time. Instead of complaining about the problem, try to find a problem in it or a solution and an answer to that problem. Quit taking that negativity and carrying it with you. Uh, for example, I had one lady who was in my class 10 years ago, something happened to her in the workplace. Uh, it was rather negative, and she still holds on to that. And I told her, you have to let that go. That is a, a, a ball and chain around your ankle right now because you continue to hold on to it versus letting it go. You can't undo the past, but you can use that. And I tell everybody, when negative things happen in your life and bad things, learn from them. That's what you always want to do. You want to learn. How can I make myself and reinvent myself? And I remember that happened last time. Said, I'm not going to let that happen. What am I going to do? And I even use that approach when I coach. Don't come to me with your problems and tell me, well, Coach, this happened. I, I saw exactly what happened. What you need to come to me with, this is what happened, and this is what I'm going to do to correct it, you know. Uh, and it's got to be that positive influence. And I'm very passionate with them, and I sit down, and I, and I understand. I sympathize. I emphasize with them. However, we've got to move forward from that. As long as we can hold in on that, we're being held hostage by that particular situation, and we can never move forward until we decide and, and, and believe in it and let it go. Hey, you know what, wow. Lou? Wow. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that Michael or? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say, Lou, you, you just touched on something so important, you know. I mean, a lot of people react the wrong way, just like you said, to the bad things that happen, and they miss the lesson. If you miss the lesson, that means you have to go through that again. And so it's so important for you to grab that the first time around and to really be focused on it every time that you're going through something, that there's a lesson in that that you have to extract to move on and to become better. So I just wanted to just, you know, I, I heard you say that and it just had an impact and I just wanted to, you know, say that, that that's so true. Oh, thank you. One of the things I wanted to bring up, I, I heard Lou, I was in uh, VEC one day and I, I heard Lou talk about, and I thought it was this was so good, and I'd like for him to just articulate it again. Um, we were talking about, he was talking about when you're unemployed, there ought to be, you ought to have a plan for your week. And then he mentioned even, you know, on Friday, kind of taking a break. Lou, can you talk a little bit about what you suggest to people while they're on that regimen of trying to find a job, applying, applying, applying? Can you talk about that? I certainly can. 
Yes, a lot of times what I do, like in some of my workshops, what I talk about, and in the military we did this because, um, like I tell, especially for military when they were getting out, because you're so used to having a regimented day. I mean, you're doing something from 5, 6 o'clock in the morning to late at night sometimes, it all depends. And there's a void a lot of times when you, uh, when you miss that, uh, when you come out of the service and then you got this regular 9 to 5 position. You miss. But what I used to talk about from even those that are unemployed, I say, Again, that it's important that you have a plan, that you just don't sit back. And, and I've seen it too many times where I have people to come in. I remember there was a time there was this lady I was working with, uh, it was her and her brother. Her brother would come in every day, and he was diligent as far as filling out applications, uh, making contacts, going to workshops and doing these things, kind of had a plan for day-to-day how he would do things. Within a couple of months, he ended up getting a job with uh, Veterans Affairs. Uh, which I thought was great. Uh, he, he was in the IT community and uh, ended up finding a job. His sister as well had uh, done some jobs, but she sat home, and I remember, and I'll never forget, I didn't see her for almost a year. And she came in one day, and, she, and this was when the time when there was a lot of stimulus money available, and during unemployment uh, insurance, there was these extensions that people were getting. Hers happened to run out for 72 weeks that she had extensions, when typically it runs for 26 weeks. With all extensions, she was getting a little bit more, a little bit more. And she stayed home and got comfortable. And i never forget, she came back and she said, I just checked my balance. I got about two weeks left of extensions, and I'm completely out. And I told her, I said, I actually thought you were back to work because I hadn't seen you. I said, you mean you sat at home all this time and wasn't out aggressively seeking employment. You were waiting on this and just comfortable with it. And that's the one thing I see a lot of people get comfortable with that unemployment that they get. It's very small, very meager amount of money that you get, but they get comfortable with it and they adapt their lifestyle to it, you know. And that's the one thing that I try to fight people from. Don't get sedentary because that can happen. So what I tell people to do is have a plan. Every day you're going to have something. Maybe on Monday I'm going to go to a workshop. I may do a career fair. Uh, I may do some uh, cold calling, networking. I may go and, you know, do some networking somewhere, business of uh, a Better Business Bureau or Chamber of Commerce. But I'm doing something each day to keep myself active. Like I can tell military people, we're used to being up at 5 o'clock and, you know, going to work out. Keep that same routine. Get up, go to the gym, work out till 7. At 7 to 8, I'm going to have breakfast. 8 to 9, I may sit in front of the computer, maybe research on the company, uh, then possibly put in some applications, or I'm going to come to a workshop, go to a career fair, uh, all these different things that you can do. And I tell people, yes, take a day for yourself. It could be either Monday, it could be a Friday or a Wednesday. Take a day for yourself because when you get back to work, that freedom that you had before is going to be gone because you're probably going to be on that probationary period. So take a day for yourself to go to the mall or maybe just to go to a museum in D.C. Or, or, or some other activity that you may enjoy. However, have a plan so you're keeping your mind sharp. You're keeping your organizational skills uh, intact as well. You're not just being... Uh, just sitting home and relaxing. You know, it's very easiest thing to do. Sit there, oh, I'm going to watch Ricky Lake or somebody until, you know, 10 o'clock, then maybe I'll get up and apply for one job. So I always try to uh, encourage people not to do that, to find something to do to keep yourself sharp. You know, take a class. If you're not out, take a class. Uh, we have something that's called the uh, uh, Workforce Investment Act, uh, WIA, we call it, or WIA program. And what it is, Department of Labor program that provides uh, funding. There's three tiers to it, but the last tier is to provide training. Uh, in this particular area, it's $3,500 that you can get some kind of training. Uh, and it ranges from anywhere from getting a CDL to getting an IT certification to maybe a PMP certification, a project management professional certification, or, or anything of that particular nature. So I tell them, have a plan. You know, and you have to work your plan. Now, with that being said, you have plans, but guess what? 
plans are also subject to being uh, modified or, you know, you have to go in, okay, timelines have to be adjusted sometimes because, well, I was going to try to go to school this time, but that particular class I was like, it's not open, so I can't go to it, you know. But those are the kind of things that I tell people you have to look and you have to get a plan and you have to work your plan. And that plan has to be revisited sometimes because you have your short-term goals, your intermediate, and your long-term goals. How do I achieve each one of them? And, again, like I said, adjusting timelines uh, to make sure that I'm hitting my mark. And if I'm not, I need to adjust it. Why am I not hitting my mark? What's going on? And like I said, a lot of times this thing is, because I, I have people coming, I have to have a job in, in three weeks. Okay? If you're looking for this particular job, it's, let's say it's a federal job, a job in uh, the federal government in D.C., three weeks is not, that's not even realistic, you know. So maybe I get another job somewhere doing something else while I've got that application in waiting for that government job. You know, I try to keep people, you know, keep your mind sharp, continually doing something so you're not, uh, like I said, getting sedentary. Your mind's not getting sedentary. Your body's not getting sedentary and these type of things, you know. So you're sharp when it's time to go to work. You're ready to go. Awesome. I hope that's answered some of it. Hey, Michael. This is why I asked you to come on the show, because he is such a wealth of information. I mean, you know, uh, in sitting and talking to Lou, you know, you learn so much in reference to, you know, really survival skills. You know, how do I uh, survive until I thrive kind of skills. And um, I appreciate you so much, Lou, for that, because... Um, Again, there are people who are listening. The reason why this, the last installment was downloaded so much, uh, it's because this is where people are living and breathing. It's a pain point. People are hurting. And, and if they can just hear someone say, here's what you do, here's where you go, here's how you can do it. Now, Lou, do you have to be, uh, for Virginia Employment Commission, do you have to be unemployed to use the services? How does that work? Oh, no. Uh, anyone can come in and use our facilities. Um, what we happen is the majority of the people that come in are drawing unemployment insurance, and our job is there to try to get them back to employment. So that's why we have the multitude of uh, workshops. I think some of the workshops I do are resume writing, uh, effective interviewing uh, techniques, um, uh, how to work a job fair, your 30-second commercial. These are just some of the workshops uh, that, I, that I host myself and conduct or facilitate, however you want to say it. Uh, but what we're trying to do, the whole thing, is we have people that have jobs, but they're just looking for better employment. Uh, one of the things that I talk to people, I know I get a lot of people, especially if they've come out either the government or they've come out of the uh, of the military, well, at this rank I was making this amount of money and I should be making this based on salary.com or any of these other uh, sites out there that talk about uh, what salaries you should be making. And I said, yes, that's true, especially those in the military when I used to do that transition program. I used to tell him, I said, you know, that, that's well and good. Yes, coming out of the military with this particular rank, these years of experience, this education, you should be making this amount of money. I said, however, let me give you reality check here. I work at what we call the Virginia Employment Commission. Uh, we call it the employment office. A lot of people call it the unemployment office. I said, however you want to say it. I said, but I see people on the other side who have lost their jobs. They've lost their home. Uh, their family has been broken up. Yes, I should be making $100,000 because that's what my, my, my credentials say I should be making. However, I see that other side of These people just want to put food on the table. You offer me 50 they will take it. So that's something that you're up against. And I tell a lot of people, just get your foot in the door. Most people, all they need to do is get their foot in the door, and they will be able to prove themselves. Awesome. Certain awesome. people that have a lot of character. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I just wanted to make sure because I know time is uh, ticking away. Uh, Michael, okay. are you there? I, I don't want to be out of order. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's probably time for us to bring in Ella. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, don't go anywhere, Lou. You just hold oh, on. Hang in there. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, we may yeah. have some people call in, so just in case someone wanted to speak directly to you, we just wanted to um, leave you there and just in case, okay. okay? Okay, thank you. Definitely. So I'll go ahead and take the lead and introduce uh, once again uh, to some and, and reintroduce to others uh, Dr. Ella Brown-Hughes. Uh, she is a trailblazer, an entrepreneur. Her driving force was in making a difference in the success rate of Rutgers College black and Latino students, of which I was one. (laughs) On the campus, she developed a striving and successful program called MECCA. And if I remember correctly, MECCA stands for Minority Exploration Committee on Careers Associated, uh, where she trained and placed hundreds of students in corporate positions through New York, Delaware, Maryland, and New Jersey. Uh, She was a delegate at the African American Summit in uh, Dakar, Senegal, West Africa, an NGO representative at the United Nations, uh, investigated social conditions of citizens in Puerto Rico, a host for international government officials for Rutgers International Center, and worked extensively with Rutgers Development Office in soliciting private and independent fundraising. Now today, uh, Dr. Uh, Brown-Hughes is the director of Belmont Homes Housing and Special Services, a program uh, directive by the God Squad, Inc., that provides emergency and transitional housing and special services for women, children, and families. But most importantly, I get to call her my big sister because that's what she is, and what a mentor she has been for me over uh, my entire life. So uh, I'd like to go ahead and, without further ado, bring a, bring aboard and bring on uh, Dr. Ella Brown-Hughes. Ella. Yes. Hi. Hi, everybody. Wow, what a great introduction. I feel important. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I feel important. But, uh, yeah, it's great. I just listened to uh, Lou give his story, and it's powerful. And I hope that there are people out there who are actually listening and taking notes because it's very important and it's very critical at this particular time and moment uh, that people begin to listen to, as you say, that little voice that continuously says, why don't you try this? You have the time and don't ignore that little voice because it's critical to where they will go, their next step. Thank you, Ella. Ella, tell us a little bit about your story because, you know, I, I, I know you have an awesome story, and I, and I don't care if you go back to Florida or you bring it forward. However you want to do it, go ahead. I'm going to lay out the carpet. It's, it's you, the mic is yours. Well, I guess we would start, and Tomat, you can attest to this, with parents who, were, who would not accept that a word called can't. <laughs> That was, I guess, the most important piece in our lives. Uh, they just did not accept it. Growing up, uh, you were always told that you could do anything, even though there were all kinds of obstacles in our way, particularly those that of, of race. We were not treated as though we were girls. 
Uh, we weren't treated as though that we were incapable of doing or accomplishing anything. So in a family, it was always understood that if you put your, your, your hand to that, you, you, you can do it. So that, that is the basis of, I think, everyone in my family growing up. That's, that's our basis. That's where we come from. That's where we hail from. Um, just moving from there, however, with that basis, uh, based on that premise, as you grow up and you really believe that you can do it, then you just begin to start doing what you need to do. Parents, both parents were in business, so my background also is not only that I can, but it is so important for us to take to take on that entrepreneurial spirit. So the spirit of being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur was almost a part of who we are Every person in my family, I think every person in our family has a has a, a business, some kind of business, doing something. And it was something that dad, my dad had always said that you know you, you you won't get rich working a job, a job, because it will always be controlled by in terms of the amount of money you can make. That will always be controlled, and you will never make what you feel you're worth, whatever that is if you're working for somebody else. So that has always been in the back of my mind. So even in working with Rutgers, I was always kind of moving and, like you said, trailblazing and doing things and handling businesses and dealing with people. And I was always doing things that would take me more into an entrepreneurial realm. And until eventually, just before I retired, I decided, okay, I think it's time for me to begin to look at where I'm going after I leave here because this won't be for always. So then maybe about five years just before I, I graduated from my job into my another career, I began to look at my life and say, okay, what do I do and what do I love to do? And I just loved real estate because at a very young age, I would collect rents. I think I may have been about 10 or 11 years old when I would collect rents for my father's um, um, motel. He had a hotel, he had a motel, and I collected rents. Why they did that, they told me later on that because it's critical for you to understand how business is conducted, how important it is to build relationships, so, and then how important it is to have your money, know what, you're, what, know what money you're expecting, and place it where it needs to be placed. It's not just about getting it and spending it, but it is about getting it and looking at it and saying, okay, now what is this and what, where do we move from, from there? How do I make this grow? So they always were concerned about how we perceived money and how to use it, and in that it is not just, it is not just all, all of this is just not about making money and let's just spend it. It's about building on what the resources that you have and not only building on those resources, making them work for you. And you can't make them work just buying stuff. So at a very young age, that was I was introduced to that. Uh, moving forward, I moved from after I left Rutgers University, then the transition. It was really interesting. I think one big piece, and I think it was a fear I had, 
And fear always sets in when you're get, when you're getting ready to make a transition. That is always there's always a scary feeling of now what will I do? And I think everybody knows that. And if not even making a transition into going into your future as far as retiring from one and going into something else, but making a transition even when you do lose a job, it's a transition. Just the idea. One of the things I would caution most people about because this is critical, and I must say this, is a thing called depression. It always sets in, and it will always affect you. It either, tra- it either is, is that depression, or you just get caught up in trying to figure out how will it be and have those quote-unquote fears that I talk about, okay, what's going to happen to me, and how am I going to live? Will I be able to eat? Will I be able to pay my mortgage? Oh, my God, my mortgage is $2,500 a month. My mortgage is $1,000. I don't even make that. How will I do this? What will happen? Will I keep my house? All those things create a level of anxiety that you're going to have to work through and work with. But they also can be a basis to motivate you as you move forward. So uh, I had that. Mine was the fear of I know what I want to do. Can I step out there and do it? I knew I wanted to be an investor. And at the time they said investor, time I heard that word, I was like, oh, gee, I don't know if I want to take on that. It's a big word, investor. But before I knew it, I had a friend of mine who said to me when she would help me find, you know, different properties to buy, she would say, well, Ella, you know, you're really trying to be an investor. I said, oh, no, no, don't say that because that means something else. She said, well, what do I call you? Just somebody who just wants to go and just buy property. She said, okay, then you're going to buy. Now you're on your third. So you're, so by the time I got to my 10th, she said, okay, you think that you can call yourself an investor yet? I said, yeah, I think so. So it happens that way. And uh, But the fear I had was at a point when my income was getting how can i this is interesting to explain i was making my i was making money at Rutgers as a counselor but i knew then okay as i leave this job and as i take on more properties now the money that i make as a counselor can support what i'm doing out here in the world and I became very, it was just this fear that kind of, I was fear struck. I just was like, oh, my God, what happens if I jump off the ledge and I'm out here and I'm investing and I've got all these things going on, I'm getting money in from rents and the, how am I going to, is this going to hold, what, well, is, is there a floor into me? Am I going to be able to stand on this? And that was the one thing I'd have to, I, I, I finally got over because I jumped off. There was no other place to go. I just had to jump off. So I told everybody at the job, I said, okay, I'm giving myself, I'm making this amount of money, I'm going to jump off, I'm going to do it on my own, and I have to let this job go because what I was making was way more than what I was making. What I was making as, as an investor was far more than what I was making as a counselor, so I had to let go. And I, I kind of forced myself to go on and do my retirement thing. So all I'm saying that you have to have, and I know Lou had said something about having a plan. That is so critical. That is so critical. And you know what? I told someone the other day, and I know they looked at me strange. I said, you know what? It's not hard to make money if you have a passion and you know what you're going for. And in real estate, even today, it is still possible to make good money in real estate. 
So I have to say that because that kind of leads me into the next next phase of my life. But but Tomette, do you do you hear what I'm saying? And I, I hope our, our listening audience is is picking up on what I'm saying. And it isn't easy. No, it isn't easy. And I think there's beauty in jumping off. Mm-hmm. I think we have T-shirts. Go ahead, jump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a mm-hmm. point that you will jump, or you will be pushed. Yeah, exactly. But it's going to happen. Yeah. So you have yeah. to be prepared, and if you're prepared, that's what it's about. It's the preparation for that. But, Elle, I want to take you back to a discussion we had when mm-hmm. I was up in Jersey just a few weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. for a wedding, and, and we were sitting at dinner with the family, and you made a comment, and I said, I have got to bring that up on the radio show. And that <laughs> was you said, I started, when I was at Rutgers, I started to teach the students the difference between mm-hmm. pursuing a degree to go to work versus making money. Mm-hmm. Can you just touch on that? I know I'm looking at yeah. our I, Yeah, I, I did. Before I left Rutgers, before I left before I left Rutgers, I found that and I think dude, I would always ask this question. How many of you all uh, want to get a job and and work for somebody? Surprisingly enough, a lot of students would always kind of raise their hand and say, yeah, yeah, I want to get okay. So what do you go to school for? You go to school to get a degree to do what? Yeah, to get a job. I say, okay. Uh, let me tell you something because I want to dispel a myth. Going to school does not guarantee that you're going to make a lot of money. And if you're going to school to make money, that shouldn't be it. You should be going to school because that's a good thing. Oh, of course. It can lead to you making money if you're an engineer, if you're a doctor. Of course, you're going to go into that field and you're going to do those things. If you do all the prerequisites, take all the courses, you're going to graduate, you're going to go to medical school, you're going to graduate, you're going to go get a job in engineering. Okay, but away from those kinds of careers, because you can graduate an engineering degree and still don't go in anywhere and, be in, and decide you want to be an engineer. You may change your mind. The bottom line, you have to understand that is the quality of life being academic gives you. But there are people who never stepped inside a college and are making five times what I make and anybody else makes, making millions and millions of dollars. Now, you have to understand that there is a mindset that they have because there is no guarantee because you go to college, you're going to make all this money. So you go to college in hopes of, yes, getting a job. But in terms of making money, that's a different, you got to do something different. So what I would do is I'd say, okay, how many of you want to make money? I want to make, can, I, can you show us what we do for that? Because I was a career counselor, special program. So, hey, sure, I don't mind. I'll, I'll, I'll show you that. And I showed them how a dollar and a dollar equals $2. And it was real basic. But by the time I was done, they were in, intrigued with just the notion of being able to make money. But I wanted them to understand that it's good to be academically sound because, guess what, it's important for you to have the skill, the, set, the skill set to be able to manage whatever it is you produce, you can manage it because you have the thinking, the ability to think. doesn't matter the degree. College teaches you to think. And that's why we do what we do because it teaches you to think. It has, have, you begin to understand the environment. You begin to know all the pieces that go in this puzzle called life so that 
you begin to, you can manipulate that, you can move it around. That's what academia will do for you. That's what being educated will do for you, your ability to communicate effectively. That's critical as you move forward in the world. To not be questioning, oh, what, what, what was that concept they just came up with? But rather you've already explored how to conceptualize, how to put a plan together. That's what academia will do for you. Then as you move forward, you select. I may have to work for a while but I do want to have my own I do want to build my own and not be afraid of moving into that arena so that's one of the things that that I that I did as I left you know Rutgers um yeah and I think at this point I don't know if Rutgers has explored the option I know they were talking about it when I left of building a strong entrepreneurial studies program I think at some point if they haven't done it, I know it's something. I know it's tied into the business school. I do know that. But for school by itself, just to build on those skills is so critical. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. Ella, I'm just watching our time. Michael, okay. uh, how are we doing on time, my friend? Yeah, um, we're, we're down to about three minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's why I just handed the mic over, and then, you know, Ella, I'm waiting for you to pop it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm go, huh, boom, done. But um, let me just make a, a couple of uh, comments, and then, Mike, I'm going to hand over to you because, you know, uh, I'll let you go ahead and do, do your uh, closeout. But I, I just want to, Ella, as always, you know, I, 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 was worship, I was worshiping at the throne of Ella Brown for many years, <laughs> and I just wanted to, when I grew up, I just wanted to be you. And I thank God that he's blessed Aww. me with such an example of what excellence looks like in the flesh, and that I one that I could go to and go, I have this crazy idea, what do you think? And it wasn't crazy to you. So um, for those of you who don't have that, uh, you've missed something. But trust me, there are resources out there like the Lou's of the world who will give you guidance and direction. So I I thank you both for being on program and on point, more more importantly, um, because people are hurting and they need to hear it. They need to get motivated, get some fire fire in the belly and move forward. So with that, Michael, I'll go ahead and, and pass to you. Thank you. Okay. Well, well, thank you, Dr. Ella Brown and Tom Ed Herring, you. as well as um, Lou Perkins. Just thank you. Uh, great show. You guys shared a lot of wisdom and information. I'm sure our listeners are just going to just grab it up. And uh, just appreciate you guys coming in, and we hope to have you all on again very soon. And uh, as we try to transition and continue to um, provide this type of information, hopefully we can do this once a month, Tom Ed. Okay. Sounds good yeah. to me. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, I just want to thank you guys again. Uh, special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman. And um, we just come to the end of another great show. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. 
Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. Failure is not an option. It's an opportunity. Look, I'm not perfect, and though I've made many mistakes, I'm not a failure. Why may you ask? Because I rarely give up on anything. I'm not afraid to take a chance and be wrong. Why? For in every mistake hides a lesson called wisdom. And guess what? I'm not concerned with what others may think about my failed attempts. That's just me. It has become a part of who I am, and I'm cool with that. The truth is, when others would watch me and criticize my actions and assume that they were watching me do it all wrong, in actuality, they were watching me learn, grow, become wiser, and eventually an expert in the very thing that I would later accomplish and then master. This has been the way I've learned since I was a child, and it's a process that I've embraced to this very day because it is the most effective way of learning that I know. A very wise man once said, There is a positive side to everything that we survive in our lives. Every defeat, hurt, Humiliation or sickness will either lead us to a better place or change the way we live our lives. Even the man who attempts the thing that was once thought impossible very often has little competition. What I'm saying is, don't be afraid to fail. Look, don't plan to fail, but be not afraid. We don't always get to choose how we will be taught life's lessons. Our only choice is how we choose to respond. We cannot simply say that maybe things will go my way next time or blow off our mistakes and then try again. We must resolve to learn the lesson hidden in our errors, stay true to ourselves, and the goal of the better person that we know that we're going to be through our trials and resist our negative responses, attitudes, and placing blame on others. If we don't, truth be told, you have less time than you think to get it right. I guess what I'm really trying to say is that it's okay to fail. As long as your failure is driven by a quest for knowledge, wisdom, and a measure of truth.